Are you ready to stop stress, anxiety, and low self-esteem from ruining your life? Join award-winning author and breakthrough expert Dr. Friedman Schaub for Empowerment Radio as he addresses some of the most difficult challenges in our day-to-day lives. Find out how you can use the power of your mind to overcome self-sabotaging patterns and build a solid foundation of confidence and self-respect. Learn cutting-edge tools to switch out of survival mode and approach every day with greater ease, joy, and purpose. Here is your host on Empowerment Radio, Dr. Friedman Schaub. Welcome to Empowerment Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Friedman. And uh, I don't know how you're feeling, but uh, I feel kind of discombobulated, I have to say, a little bit. And that certainly also is the feeling I hear from my clients uh, all the time and every day right now, that there is just a really intense energy going on in the world. And uh, not only have we been dealing with the COVID situation since a few months now and with the sad loss of so many things, you know, and so many people, over 100,000 people and 30 million people unemployed just in the U.S. alone, and globally, of course, that is even worse. But then there is also this horrendous and tragic death of George Floyd that just uh, really opened up a wave of anger and support for final racial justice that has been an issue that I believe has been kind of, you know, swept under the rug for a long time. Now, I don't even pretend that I know what it feels like to be disenfranchised or to be marginalized or to be treated as less than or feel like, you know, I'm I'm born in a situation that is so much harder than a white person to get out of and uh, to have some kind of a decent life. All I know is that there is a huge inequality that I hope this, this death of this poor man will just have as an outcome and an outcry to make a change and, uh, and that there is really something that is not just forgotten, like unfortunately with all the school shootings where there was an outcry for more uh, reform in regards to, to weapons and, um, you know, not really much happened. And I think this is not something that just can be forgotten after a week or two again. What we can do, all of us, is already start looking inside. I don't know what politicians going to do. I don't know what really going to happen. I hope something profound will change, but let's just make a profound change inside of us. Look at our own prejudice. Look at our own tendency to make a racial distinguishing observations where somehow we have been imprinted by the media, by our friends, families, teachers, whatever, that we are looking at the world in ways of dividing between certain kind of color system. And, uh, and I think we just are all guilty of having this inside, whether it's like, you know, you're ignoring the the racial jokes of the colleagues or the uncle at the 
Thanksgivings or whether you are just buying into what you are hearing from some politicians uh, saying about, uh, you know, black people are this and Mexicans are that, or whether it is that you are, you know, deep inside also having the feeling like, you know, I'm walking down the street and if I see a black person coming down, I'm already going to the other side of the street. I mean, do we all not have something inside of us that's prejudiced? There is a toxic temptation to that. And we should look into that. And we should really clear our minds from this by opening our hearts to see ourselves and everyone as equal, as beautiful light beings that all are here for a purpose and shouldn't be treated as less than. And that's important. And I think we all have this responsibility right now more than ever to really do some house cleaning in our minds. And, and I got a suggestion yesterday from, from a client who told me about this. Uh, unfortunately, I never heard of her, but now I saw her videos and I think it's just absolutely amazing. And you may know her, but I didn't grow up in the US. So this is maybe something that's on the curriculum, but just recommend to you to check out Jane Elliott. Jane Elliott, who was a teacher, and in the 60s, she was already so aware of racism in the U.S. and how it just starts in small ways, in schools, in families, around the dinner table. And so she did an experiment. And that experiment with just purely white kids is mind-boggling. It's unbelievable. You can see in this experiment how fast racism can spread and propagate and how fast within 24 hours people are changing those that are declared as less than feel smaller more depressed feel somehow more incapable those that are told they are better than they are feeling entitled there is a lot of suppression and in little kids these were 10 year old kids check it out you can have maybe a little understanding for what's going on inside of you and you can also maybe feel like, you know, something really needs to change fundamentally because there is something really deeply ingrained so societal that we have to be aware of and, uh, yeah, and get rid of. Now, today is not about that. I did a show a while ago on prejudice and the toxic temptation of prejudice. You can see the blog post on my website drfriedman.com or on my YouTube channel you find in the archive that show. But today I want to talk about another topic that's really also in so many people's forefront of the mind, which is loss. Because this is a time of tremendous loss. This is a time of tremendous grief. And the loss of so many people's lives and the loss of so much of what we have been holding on to as normal, whether it's, you know, through this COVID uh, pandemic, uh, the loss of a job or the loss of financial security or the loss of freedom or the loss of normalcy, whatever it is, what you feel, it can be the loss of connection, social interactions. There is loss and there is grief that comes with that loss. And today I want to talk about grief and how we can go through grief maybe in ways that makes grief not as difficult and as painful. And maybe we can actually find a way to deal with loss without losing ourselves. 
Uh, if you have any questions, if you have been dealing with grief, if you feel like, you know, I am still in a stage of complete confusion or I'm struggling, well, call in 800-930-2819. Again, 800-930-2819. And you can also type into the Facebook uh, Live page and on Transformation Track Radio, there is a little chat box. We monitor it all. So you can always ask the question. Now, when it comes to grief, a lot of people feel like that grief is going through different stages. And there's some truth to that. And uh, most famously, there was this uh, uh, Dr. Kubler-Ross, who has been studying grief and also studying near-death experiences extensively in the 70s and 80s. And and she wrote a book about grief. Now, in that book, she talked about the stages, which were first confusion, then anger, then pleading, then sadness, and final acceptance. Now, what's not true totally about the stages of grief when you are grieving a loss is that you have to go through those stages because, A, this book has been written about people that were actually dying, not about people that were dealing with the loss of a loved one. So it's about this, you know, what do you go through when you're faced with ultimately, you know, a terminal illness or a death sentence? And B, science has shown by, you know, interviewing uh, thousands of people about their grief, that grief is a highly personal experience. In fact, grief is something that you know, there is no right way of grieving. There is no like, oh, I am not really crying at the funeral. Is there something wrong with me? I have actually, you know, somehow a feeling of I want to take care of, you know, my garden today. Should I really do that? I have a sense that I still feel a little responsibility for, you know, my day-to-day -day job or, you know, my, my kids, and should I not really be someone who now that, you know, my parents have been dying or, you know, my spouse or whatever I have lost, should I not be somewhere in a much more, you know, depressed and sad place, a puddle on the floor? There is no right way of grieving. There is your way of grieving. It's very individualized. And it's something that also is quite interesting, something that really is naturally happening to all of us and for the majority that's what research has shown grief is something that lasts for about six months and after six months most people have reached a place of acceptance a place of okay i can move on the, the void is uh, more filled there is you know some hope or forward uh, movement or focus. Now, if that's the case, if the majority of people grieve only for six months, we could just, you know, end the show right there. And we could say, well, time heals. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. Well, it's not that easy because there are some ways of grieving that are more complicated. These are more the chronic ways of grieving where you get stuck in a cycle of ruminating or in a cycle of sadness that we want to avoid. And how can you avoid this? How can you make grieving actually something that is more, let's say, productive, 
how can you make grieving also something that you actually feel at the end that you grew from it and not just had to lick your wounds? That's what we're going to talk about today. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Coming to you live on TransformationTalkRadio.com is the brilliance ultimatum. Time's up with Claudette Rowley. Powerful conversations, practical innovations, and transformative solutions as Claudette and her guests delve into the possibilities and what she calls reality resistance. Join the cultural revolution and annihilate obstacles. Check it out at CulturalBrilliance.com. What would you do with the power of community? How do you create your own rituals? Tune in to Living Your Gifts with me, Susan Huff, Ancient Applications for Modern Times, the second Wednesday of each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Our lives begin with the stories we are told and the stories we tell ourselves. Storytelling is the key. To learn more about me, visit LivingYourGifts.com. That's LivingYourGifts.com. For stimulating conversation and keys that will change your life, tune in to Dynamic Destiny with Coach Pete every first and third Wednesday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Join Pete to get clarity for your calling and practical wisdom for results. For more about Coach Pete, visit PeteCoaching.com. That's P-E-T-E Coaching.com. Sanskrit is not just a language to be written and spoken, but it is a doorway to gaining understanding of how we experience life and truth. Conscious Confidence is a book written by Sanskrit scholar Sarah Main. The stories Sarah shares will take you on a journey of understanding how the power of this ancient language is not only still relevant, but can truly transform your everyday life. Drawing upon the deeper meanings behind the Sanskrit words for confidence, Sarah Main outlines principles for harnessing the fourfold energy of conscious confidence. Focusing, uniting, simplifying, and energizing. Not just a book, a life guide. Available now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Inner Traditions. You can find all of those links on ConsciousConfidence.com. Welcome back to Empowerment Radio. We're talking about loss and grief. Now, today I talk more about the loss of a person, not so much the loss of freedom or a job or the things that you feel like you, know, you lost along the way, maybe closeness, friends, community, all those things that also happened during COVID that you may have lost. But a lot of the principles that I'm going to share today can be also applied for those kinds of loss. Now, I would say my worst experience with loss was when I lost my parents, just shortly one after another in 2010. 
And it was rather unexpected, especially with my mom, who had a very, very short fight with cancer and then uh, basically passed away seven months after the diagnosis. And my dad had passed away a few months before that. And when I, you know, basically had to face both of my parents being gone, I went through what, uh, you know, they are calling acute grief. And acute grief is just something where you do feel, you know, a whole variety of emotions. Maybe at the beginning you do feel that there is just a, a sense of overwhelm. And uh, for me, it was also this uh, sense of anxiety and uh, panic that I felt at that time. Now being, quote unquote, an orphan and not having that, you know, safety net of parents that... Uh, you don't really need when you are in your 40s, but at that time, it just, uh, you know, emotions don't always make sense. You felt it, and I felt it. So I went through that and uh, also went through sadness, especially around my mom. I sat by her uh, bedside during her passing for seven days and just basically watched her, you know, transform from being actually someone who looked rather healthy to someone who really was barely recognizable and she was on many drugs and just, you know, you saw her body shutting down, her body dying and uh, and I wish she would have died faster than she did. And so I, I struggled also afterwards with the sadness about her struggle and her difficulties with letting go. And But what I also noticed is that there was very quickly something that felt almost like a, a light. And it was a strange feeling. And I felt a little guilty about this for a moment. I felt like, well, why should I feel somehow lighter now that my parents are gone? Why should there be a, a sense of, of almost relief? Relief, maybe I don't have to worry about them or relief. I don't have to you know, wait for something that I knew would happen. And now it happened. I couldn't really wrap my mind around it. But now, looking back, I understand that this part of the healing going through grief also has some of those emotions included. You know, they say that uh, a child is born twice, you know, the first time and the second time when the parents die. And they're, what I felt, and I think what often people experience with loss, is that there is also something changing inside of you, a certain kind of shift, a certain kind of renewal almost. And that's something I'm going to talk about later more. But going through this acute phase and not blocking away my emotions or feeling like I have to make myself feel wrong to feel one or the other, or I should force myself to really sit down and, and cry at least for, you know, two weeks straight. I, I just allowed myself to have those feelings, made the grieving process, I believe, more productive and made the grieving process also something that I that I embraced more as something that you know was passing and uh, was opening up for me uh, a different way of living a different way of looking at life and the pain was as it often is in that more acute and then later on integrated way of grieving the pain is then also shared with joy or looking back and thinking about, you know, nice memories or again, feeling like there is a, 
a uh, forward uh, movement f uh, into the future and things like that. Now, when you do not have those, you know, like natural enfoldment of grief and you experience more prolonged grief, that's when you may get stuck in a cycle that is almost like self-perpetuated. And that cycle is more a cycle of the of the fear of the losing control. You know, you're feeling like, wow, I have no control over what happened. I have no control now what's going to happen in my life after this loss. Or you're feeling like that, you know, you have to really stay sad because you cannot forget about the person that just passed away. And if you would actually feel happy or relieved or light, that would do a disservice to that love. So you're equating love with pain. The love that you had for the person before that person died is not painful. But now that the person has gone, you may feel like, well, I need to really be in agony because that's honoring my love. And, and so you stay in that and don't want to let go. You don't want to forget. You tell yourself it's never going to be the same. Everything has changed now. That void will never really be filled. And often there is also that, that nagging regret and guilt inside of you that keeps you grieving longer. It's that, that rumination of, well, why did I not do this? Or should I have done that more? And, and that just keeps you in a loop. Your subconscious literally says, well, we have to get some answers here. And those answers you cannot give yourself. You know, when you have regret, you're telling yourself, well, really, I have to chastise myself, chastise myself. If you are feeling like, you know, nothing uh, will change. I mean, everything has changed now. Nothing will ever be the same and nothing can fill the void. Then again, you're, you're giving yourself basically a message of hopelessness. And being in that place, this is not necessarily a conscious choice, but being in this place can lead them also to you know a social isolation where you don't want to uh, even seek out help or or connect to others look outside of that you know cocoon of of pain and sadness it can often lead also unfortunately to self-medication with uh, you know just alcohol and drugs and it can go into a deeper depression and, and that's what we want to avoid. We want to avoid this prolonged grief. You don't have to tell yourself that there is a certain time frame to that grief. What I found about my grief was it is natural. Your mind knows how to grieve. Your mind has its own way of grieving. And, and that is something that I feel we can support. And that's what I want to talk about now. What can we do to support the grieving process? But we also have to let this grieving process just be an organic way. You know, like I see it a little bit like a wound. You know, you, you have a wound in your body. Yes, you can, you know, of course, either ignore it, which uh, may actually make the wound get infected. And, uh, and that may make that healing process more difficult. Or you can constantly just look at it and focus on it and you know try to disinfect it all the time but in the end you actually only see yourself as that wound and that wound may cover just like 0.5 percent of your body but because that's what you focus on that's the pain you're feeling that's uh, that identity you're taking on 
and then you're overlooking all the rest. So how can we make grief a, you know, enough space in your life without feeling that the grief becomes all encompassing, as I said before, without you feeling that you lose yourself in it. So one of the things that you can and need to do is to take care of your physical body. Your poor body does not know exactly what's going on. Your body is totally innocent with it all. So if you are having the tendency, I'm not hungry, I'm not thirsty, no, I don't want to walk, I don't want to go outside, no, I can't sleep either. Well, all of those things are actually making your body get out of balance. When you don't really take care of your body, your body feels like, well, there's really something wrong. And then your body goes more into stress and anxiety mode, and that just adds fuel to the fire. When you do feel that you're dealing with loss and grief, you have to be adamant to take care of yourself, take care of your physical body because you need your body. It's hosting your mind. It's hosting your soul. You need your body to feel more stable and grounded. So that's number one. Now, another thing that's really important is, of course, taking care of your emotions. Now, in that regard, be kind and gentle with yourself. There is such a, you know, there is such a difficulty when we do feel grief, and, and that has to do with how other people also respond to grief. I know countless people that say like, oh, yeah, he's dealing with the loss of something or someone. I don't want to disturb this person. Well, ultimately, that often comes from that fear of having to go through this yourself. You know, we are all afraid of loss because it has a trifecta of fear triggers. It's uh, change, it's uh, discomfort, and it's ultimately, you know, dealing with something that we are not in control of. So not feeling in control, having to go through pain, and then dealing with change, that's something that breaks the mind out. And so when we are, you know, seeing someone grieving, we say, oh, this is something scary. We don't want to go there. And so for the one that is grieving, that's a sign of, well, you know, I'm in it on my own and it's actually a weakness. It's, you know, bothersome to others. I need just to isolate myself. And, and being in that isolation, we are not always the nicest ourselves when we are grieving we are not always the kindest we are just like you know basically either going into you know the self-defeating pattern of ignoring our needs or we are doing the ruminating and then beating ourselves up or telling ourselves that we are you know uh, just really now in a in a place where life uh, doesn't make sense or anything like this so we don't really respond with compassion and kindness to the grief. So that's a really important thing. Just when you grieve, be nice to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Give yourself the attention that you need, and especially with your emotions. Now, what I find also in my research about grief so interesting is that it's really not necessarily true that you're better off if you are talking about your grief. Now, some people may feel that's what I need. That's really what I need. I need to you know, find help. I need to go to someone. I need to go to, to a bereavement group. It may feel good to do that. But also, it turns out that you don't heal 
or grieve any less or faster when you do that. So don't judge yourself when you say, I want to do this by myself. Now, if you have the strong inclination, if you feel feel so much better to talk about it. I need to hear someone else, you know, guide me through this. By all means, go for it. If you want to write about it, do it. If you want to talk about it, do it. But if you have that feeling like I want to actually really just go inside and it's almost like you go into your own little incubation chamber, don't judge yourself for that. You're not necessarily shutting down. You're not necessarily not dealing. You are just dealing with it your own way. The warning sign is when you are feeling that you're going deeper and deeper and deeper into a sense of hopelessness. That is when it goes into that prolonged grief, and that's where you really should ask for help. We'll be right back after the break with more on how to grieve without losing yourself. wondered what your pets think about do you know what your pets are saying to you dr monica will be your pet's translator to help you understand what your pets are trying to communicate to you enhance the bond with your furry friends on pets talk with pet communicator dr monica each month on transformationtalkradio.com for more information about dr monica visit petcommunicator.com Living Lighter Radio with Jason and Patricia. We have an ecosystem approach to your life. Tune in weekly every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio as we, Jason and Patricia, discuss what's truly holding you back. We offer you the tools you need to reach your goals and at the same time be living lighter. For more information about Living Lighter, visit www.livinglighter.org. Break your snooze button habits for good with the Soul Stretching Sisters on the I Am Power Hour with me, Terry J. Walker. And me, Dr. Pat, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Pump up your spiritual muscle as we share stories. Aspire higher. And live a whole lot larger. To help you unleash your powered up, pumped up, I am soul stretching success. Anything can happen when we take to the airways. And all things become possible during the I Am Power Hour. Are you done being afraid to jump into the life that's waiting for you? Are you ready for a real shift? I invite you to tune in every Tuesday with me, Tracy L, on the Tracy L. Clark Show, where we will teach you how to live your extraordinary life. At 8 a.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio, where I will provide the tools and the steps needed to help you transcend perceived limitations and move forward with an extraordinary life. For more information, visit me at TracyLClark.com. Yeah, yippee skippy to that, baby. We're not done yet. Some of us are out here to educate and inspire. This year, 2020, is the year we got to show me the money in the cash flow. I'm Dr. Pat. This is the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. Visit thedrpatshow.com.
Welcome back to Empowerment Radio, Loss and Grief. How can we do this in a way that doesn't hurt us even more than it already hurts to have lost someone? I talked about emotions and uh, when it comes to emotions, many of us are really just illiterate because no one teaches us about emotions. We are feeling them. Usually we are avoiding them besides when they're good, when we deem them as to be good, but anything that's kind of, you know, uncomfortable, dark, pulling you down, making you not really fun to be around, we shove it aside. And so when we are facing those emotions, we are kind of clueless. What do we do? What do they mean? How do we deal with them? And so I want to just tell you a little bit about what you can do when you have those emotions. Like, let's start with that confusion. Well, the mind is confused or is in disbelief when something like this happens, like the shock, because the mind tries to make sense out of it. And in the moment of loss, it doesn't feel like there is any sense. It doesn't feel like there is anything to really understand. And that feels in itself really overwhelming and confusing. And so what you want to ask yourself, and that's really the key about dealing with emotions, what is really the question behind the emotion? What's the message behind the emotion? So for example, when you're listening to the shock or confusion, maybe it says like, you know, will this always be now something like a heavy cloud in my mind? Will I never really feel safe again? Like when I woke up, with anxiety and shock and confusion when my parents died was like you know am i really safe it was like this little boy inside of me calling out on someone in case in this case it was me who is my safety net now and then you know i had to really respond and i had to give an answer to that and say i'll i have been taking care of myself since you know i'm 20 years old so i'm going to take care of you don't worry about this and and so that shifted the emotion. So what you may want to ask yourself is, what am I feeling confused about? What don't I understand? Which are the things right now I cannot really wrap my mind around? And what answers do I need to find for that? And that in itself gives you a little bit more of, you know, a, not only feeling that you're attending to your emotions, but you're actually guiding your emotions. You're making your emotions not just a fact that you have to deal with, but an energy that you can also guide and shift. After all, emotions are energy in motion. And that's the same with anger. When you have anger, just understand the anger is basically just covering up the sense of powerlessness and pain. And so the anger is often just this, this is not fair and this is wrong and how dare this person to leave me alone and all of those kind of things. And it feels more empowering when you feel really powerless, when something feels like it has been done to you and it wasn't your choice. And so being more also aware of what does the anger really need? It needs a sense of control. It needs a sense of power. And so there it can be just simple, practical things that help you to release the anger and say, you know, I'm going to right now take care of that, what I can really be in charge of. And, you know, this way, that sense of feeling, yeah, again, out of, uh, out of control disappears gradually. And with sadness, I mean, every tear, I always say, is a bridge to your heart. Any 
tear and sadness we are feeling is actually kind of cracking open our heart. And I will never forget this client of mine who lost her, her son, um, you know, six months in the womb. And, um, you know, after that, I mean, she was, it was a surprise for her to get pregnant after that loss. Uh, the grief was so overwhelming and she did go into complete sadness, depression, hopelessness. She felt angry at her husband for not wanting to try again to have a child. She felt depressed. She felt jealous of everyone else who had children. And, you know, that went on and on and on. And uh, she shut down more and more and became more and more a dark shadow of herself. And, and when we started work, uh, working together, she didn't really have a lot of hope that this can ever feel. It was like this unborn child was basically now her life sentence on how she will have to deal with life and herself, you know, forever, because she could never imagine to be able to let go of this pain. And what she discovered was that really this unborn child was an enormous catalyst for her to open up her heart. That sadness, that pain, made her get in touch with so much pain and sadness that she had suppressed since her childhood, that she had never dealt with, and that she never wanted to dealt with. In fact, she had a little bit this, you know, I have to take care of myself, I have a tough shell around me, and I will not feel, and I will not let anyone get too close. So feeling so much pain for someone she ever never met, but she felt so close at the same time, made her also really have to deal with a lot of woundedness inside of her. And that transformed her. That transformed her in so many ways. It made her so much more a person who actually cared, who could have eventually a sense of love and belonging and appreciation that she never really had since her early years. So there was a gift with that. And there is a gift with sadness. It can bring you closer to yourself. It can make you more connected to your heart. It is just a matter also of tending to the sadness in a way that you are seeing the void that the sadness ultimately bemoans. You know, this is where, where the mourning comes from. There is a there is a, a void in my heart. There is a huge loss. There is something ripped away and and I'm sad about that. And that's absolutely understandable. But if you are seeing this, this void as something that you can attend to, but also something that you can eventually fill with not the person that you lost or whatever it is that you lost, but fill with something that is yours, something that you can feel like, yeah, I am actually now filling this void with a greater sense of compassion, a greater sense of, you know, letting people actually see me for who I am, a greater sense of authenticity, there is real transformational power in that grief and that sadness. Now, so we talk about taking care of your body, taking care of your emotions, and I cannot get into the, the regret and the guilt. That's a whole topic in itself, but don't forget to also forgive yourself. And in that regard, I always recommend people to say, the person that just passed, would they want you to spend time in grief 
beating yourself up? Would you want, as the one that just transitioned and moved on to wherever, hopefully to heaven, would you want that this person feels now, oh my God, I left and look, my son, my daughter, my brother, my sister, basically are just in this agony of shame and regret and remorse. And that's not how you want to be remembered. And that's not how you want to remember the person that passed. Always keep in mind also, and that's the next step. What is the gift of the person that passed that you want to hold on to? What is the gift of that loss? And there are so many gifts. When I think about my parents, there are so many things that I really cherish. These are not just memories. These are not just, you know, wonderful times and vacations. And my parents love to eat. So, you know, we just spend a lot of time with, you know, three, four hour meals and just enjoying, you know, all these wonderful culinary things that, uh, yeah, they introduced me to. But I learned so much about life from them. I learned so much about you know, the love for people, for elders, for animals. There are a lot of good imprints. There's like a whole treasure chest inside of me that I feel, and that's a real good question to always ask yourself. I feel that's a legacy that I want to continue to share with the world. So ask yourself about the legacy of the person that left. And sometimes the legacy is actually learning how to be the opposite. You know, sometimes it's about saying like, well, I was such a great teacher in, you know, really never having time to smell the roses and enjoy life fully. And now, sadly, the person walked away from life before ever really having slowed down. So the legacy can also be, thank you for showing me that life is impermanent and that I do need to slow down and, uh, and really cherish more what is. Just be aware of every loss also has a gift and every person that moves on has something that they can, you know, give you after they moved on. And, and for that, you will always be grateful for their presence. I don't want to look at, you know, the, the 45 years of living with my parents or, you know, knowing my parents just defined by losing them. I want to, always look back and, and think about the wonderful times we had. And I often still have dreams of them where we are sitting together again, eating. And, uh, and I tell them, well, I thought you were dead, but now you're here. And it's still a little confusing in my subconscious, but it's certainly something that's very pleasurable. And it always puts a smile on my face when I think about it. And so if you want to just, you know, while you're grieving, already cherish more the gift that the the one that is that is uh, gone left with you you certainly can also help your mind to see this not just as a ripping away but also as well there is so much fullness inside of me all at the same time well when we come back we talk more about grief and and what can actually be the gift of the grief itself is there a spiritual connection is there a life lesson in all of that. So we'll be right back with that.
sales goals. Or maybe your business plan could use a dose of the divine. Tune in to Divinely Driven Results with faith-based business coach Elise Smith on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Coach Elise Smith helps listeners get unstuck from their business plateau and become empowered through divine guidance. Build up belief in yourself and your dreams and learn business strategies that work for you for real lasting results. Learn more by visiting www.DivinelyDrivenResults.com. Is traditional medicine not working for you? Do you still feel as if your health isn't 100%? Here at the Holistic Medical Center, Dr. Nushin Darvish and the qualified staff look through the dimensions of wellness and start a healing plan prioritized to your needs. Our physicians assess the whole you until complete health is achieved. Get the help you need by visiting drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. Welcome back to Empowerment Radio. And uh, yeah, thank you for tuning in. And I know it's not an easy topic, grief, but it's uh, it's really an important topic because you know what? We are basically masters of letting go, masters of losing things all the time. We just never really see it as that. It's almost like we are only really dealing with loss and grief uh, when we are feeling like it has been done to us and not when it's something that, you know, feels like, well, this is a natural part of life. Well, when you think about it, you know, symbolically, every exhale is letting go. You know, you have billions of cells in your body every day that are dying and they're letting go and making room for new cells. You know, letting go of your youth, letting go of your childhood, the house you grew up in, letting go of relationships you were in, letting go of the time. Every day you let go of a little bit more of the time that you have in life. We are, we are letting go all the time. Even when you spend money, you're letting go of something that's valuable to you. And yes, you get something in return. And on some level, that's exactly what happens also when we are going through loss and the process of grieving there is something that we can get in return and that's a different perspective and grief and loss that i just want to invite you to to think about you know to contemplate contemplate it doesn't have to be that grief and loss is just you know labeled with tremendous pain and really the hardest time in our lives it can also be the most transformational time in our lives. And when you really th think about it, we are, you know, maybe a tradition in the Western world that doesn't really celebrate death or loss very much. It's much more a somber affair, something really, you know, you're wearing black clothes, you have very subdued music, and uh, yeah, in the end, it's just, uh, you know, just a very, very heavy energy. And then there are other traditions that are celebrating, dancing, you know, just uh, also reminding themselves of, well, life is to be lived and enjoyed. And even other traditions are happy for the ones that are dead because it's their idea that, yeah, they are moving on. 
to a better place or moving on to a lighter place or they are coming back in a new way and they have been really, really good people. So their karma is great. So probably their next life going to be top. There is just a different way that I also feel like we can contemplate about seeing death, not just something that has to be dark and has to be, you know, a process of pain. But when we look at the grieving, when we look at this opportunity in it, as I said, there is something I felt about the remaking of oneself. And one of the things that it taught me and what I often hear from people that have been dealing with loss and grief, that integration of grief is that they do feel it's a, a reminder of the preciousness of life. When I, I mean, I had, Plenty of people dying before, uncles and aunts and grandparents and even friends. But when my parents died, it was really like hitting me that, yes, this is actually that real clear signal that life is short. It's not permanent in contrast to my old belief. And it's precious. And every day counts. And, you know, the time is now. And that's when... You know, my wife and I really decided to make the big move and uh, get out of the city, move to Europe and, and just start new and follow our hearts and follow our desires. And, uh, and I will never regret this. And I'm always grateful for my parents passing to give me that, that catalytic uh, ignition to make that happen. Now, others really feel like that when they are grieving, it's also something that they're learning about the importance of detachment. Not that detachment is something, well, I'm not caring, but the detachment of being willing to let go of something that was precious to you and trusting at the same time that when something ends, some new beginning will also eventually uh, come into your life. One door closes, another opens up. And Rumi said, you know, whatever we let go of comes back to us in a different form. That is also something, this, this idea of isn't really attachment and holding on to that. And even if it's not there anymore, still holding on to it, isn't that, like the Buddhists say, the root of suffering? So learning to be more graceful with letting go that can also be a gift of the grief and another gift of the grief is that acceptance that we are not in control the acceptance of that there are certain things we can certainly try to take charge of be the steward of you know feel responsible for but overall we are not really in control and we do have to work on on trust trust in life or trust in ourselves that when life happens, we can handle it. We will know how to move forward and what to do. And then there is spirituality. Is not when there is loss and grief. Isn't there like also a possibility to explore your spirituality? This big question, what happens after death? Well, usually we don't want to think about it or we are cynical and feel like, well, you know, there's nothing happening. It's all a big void and pretty much, you know, we go back to the earth, to the worms and that's it. And is that really it? Is that really what we want to believe? Or is when someone is passing, we have that grief, that not also an opportunity to 
maybe open up to other beliefs. Maybe the belief that we all are spiritual beings having just a physical human experience. The belief that there is something greater inside of us than just our mind or our body and that this greater self continues to move on and it's just death a rebirth a transformation into that other self just like when water is evaporating well it's still there the molecules are still there but you cannot see them anymore they're just in a different form just being open to explore what feels right to us you know i had a whole show about death and and uh, near-death experiences and you can see it in my youtube channel but it is really fascinating uh, to hear how people talk about that uh, when they had near-death experiences and then they were brought back that they didn't want to come back you know there were people often saying like why did you bring back bring me back and when they were asked so uh, well i'm sorry but why do you say that they say you know i felt so loved and so accepted more loved and accepted than i have ever in my entire life you know when you really are allowing yourself to contemplate is this what we are experiencing right now maybe the harder part and the moving on and that unconditional love and acceptance we are experiencing from a benevolent force is that actually something that's so you know beautiful and desirable that we have to forget for a while because otherwise we'd probably you know always jump off the bridge is that something that is still also maybe a, a thought a notion a belief that you can contemplate that you can allow yourself to grow into a little bit more now i want to leave you with a saying by rumi and rumi the great mystic and and he said grief can be the garden of compassion if you keep your heart open through everything your pain can become your greatest ally in your life's search for love and wisdom and i think that is really the gift of the pain the gift of the grief that it does open us up it does make us search for deeper meaning it makes us really go more into the core of what it means being alive whether we are cherishing life more whether we are able to cherish ourselves more whether we are able to love more deeply and just slow down and really take in with our senses everything that is there because the person that passed reminds us of how important it is to leave this world and leave this body with a sense of fullness and not with regret or a yearning of oh i wish i would have done this or more that would be certainly also a wonderful gift of the grief that some of you or many of you may have been dealing with and and i hope today you got some little tidbits and ideas on how to go through grief with greater awareness kindness compassion and also with an openness to harness the gifts of this difficult time 
Thank you for tuning in. If you have any questions, just reach out at hello at drfriedman.com or visit my website at drfriedman.com. Take good care of yourself and during these turbulent times, really make sure that you ground yourself, center yourself, tune out sometimes the noise around you. And don't lose yourself in the vortex of that really exciting, transformational, but at times also a little bit overwhelming energy. Until next time, goodbye. You've been listening to Empowerment Radio with Dr. Friedman Schaub. Join Dr. Friedman every first and third Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, as he addresses some of the most prevailing challenges of our daily lives. To learn more about how Dr. Friedman's personal breakthrough program can help you overcome fear, anxiety, and low self-esteem, visit thefearandanxietysolution.com.